for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. D.D. Denslow is digging deeper on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, D.D. Denslow, on the final hour of my Sunday edition of Digging Deeper. Uh, I will be joined in just a few minutes by a regular guest, very popular at the moment, Jackie DeVoy. Uh, and we will be talking about, oh, we've got a myriad of things uh, to discuss. Uh, we will be talking about Nicola Bully. What's going on? What's happened since that case? Because it just disappeared. It was everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't not look at a newspaper paper or a media article or website uh, without Nicola Bully's name being mentioned at the beginning of the year. Uh, what's happened since that case was resolved? Uh, we're going to talk about fake nurses. Rishi Sunak, who stated quite uh, unequivocally that vaccines are safe, but he didn't mention effective. Maybe he's seen the unredacted Pfizer contracts and thought maybe that was a bit too, uh, uh, opening them up a bit too much for the lit- litigation by saying that they were effective. Uh, excess deaths, farmers' protests, and elections are all on the menu uh, for my conversation with Jackie. Uh, but I do have a quick story before we go to her. Uh, first of all, Elon Musk. A man who I've always said, I'll put him in a special category. Elon, you know, he's, he's, I'm not necessarily said he's a savior. I don't necessarily think he is the bad guy, but he has made some statements recently, particularly since he had his, uh, Israeli prime minister accompanied, uh, trip to Auschwitz. Since then, he's made some statements that I'm not necessarily particularly comfortable with, particularly as Elon Musk is somebody who's supposed to be a scientific genius. Uh, And he says this, the only action needed to solve climate change is carbon tax. Uh, What? This is a man, all right, I know he makes electric cars, uh, and I know that he profits probably massively from them. Apparently, he's got a 56 billion, 56 billion. So that's nine numbers, nine digits long, 56 billion pay packet awaiting in the wings, which is being challenged in the courts. Uh, but he did also went on to say we should not, for example, impose draconian laws on farmers or make citizens uncomfortable by limiting air conditioning usage or in the UK, the burning of fossil fuels that keep us warm. Uh, keep tax revenue constant, but shift it to tax what is probably bad. And he's put in brackets, CO2. He knows as any base with any basic scientific understanding, I'm a chemist myself, knows that carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. It's not a poison. It's a trace gas. It's 0.04% of the atmosphere in terms of its overall content and therefore has no impact on the environment or climate, but it is really good for trees. Um, So I'm not sure why Elon Musk has said that. Maybe it's purely a, 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 a motive driven by his need for profit from EVs, particularly as less and less people are buying electric cars. In fact, in Plymouth, I believe that they have reversed their policy to start installing charging points in the streets. That has stopped. Why? Because there's no electronic, uh, no electric vehicles to be used to charge. So uh, a very interesting statement by Elon Musk. I might go straight to Jackie uh, and uh, ask her some questions about that when I speak to her in any moment. Uh, Do you have a suggestion for a possible guest? 
that you would like to hear on TNT Radio. Or perhaps you have a topic you feel we should discuss. We want to hear from you. Simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT web, uh, Radio website and help us make a difference here on today's news talk. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thanks for getting up on a Sunday. You look very nice and laid back and relaxed there on your sofa. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me back on the show. Very pleased to um, be here. My pleasure. We actually did last time we spoke. We said we'll bring up Medazalam and um, uh, uh, have a Medazalam special. I know we're not set up for that show here, but has there been any movement uh, on that particular issue before we get on to the There certainly that has. As, as, as the days, weeks and months go by, more and more people are gathering evidence, getting hospital records, getting medical notes, getting the, the drug charts. Um, quite a few people in my group now are going legal. Um, there's talk of a, a, a group litigation order or a class action, as they, they call it in America, um, where a whole group of people will get together and do something. Um, more and more, um, not, not many lawyers have been interested in taking up the case, uh, which I can understand because they will be taking on not just the NHS, but the government as well. So, um, you know, a lot of lawyers are, are put off by that, but we have got some who are interested and barristers too. So um, hopefully something will get going on that. But there's also been progress on the actual protocols themselves. Um, I don't know if you remember me mentioning the protocol, the COVID protocol that was brought in in um, April 2020, uh, which uh, was the, basically the treatment for anyone coming into hospital or in care homes uh, presenting with um, any kind of respiratory issues, which they would label COVID, obviously. Um, and this protocol in, involved the use of midazolam and morphine, which is a benzodiazepine and an opioid um, to be used concomitantly, uh, which is an extremely dangerous thing to do because uh, especially if it's um, administered continuously through a, a syringe driver, also it involves uh, dehydration and starvation and withdrawal of essential medications, which mm. is basically going to kill a person. Um, uh, and that that's what was happening. And that, that um, protocol was renamed um, NG191 in uh, in March 2021. And um, recently, I noticed in, on November the 30th last year, this protocol was updated and, and, and it was uh, removing the recommendation for the midazolam and the morphine in this protocol, which um, on the surface looks like a, a good thing, but uh, they're still using the old methods. They're actually the Liverpool Care Pathway methods and the Liverpool Care Pathway was abolished in 2014, allegedly, but it's still being used just under these various um, uh, names, different names. And uh, the fact that they've now said they're withdrawing uh, this, this uh, recommendation for the use of these drugs doesn't mean they're not gonna use other drugs, you know? So um, there was a further update on January the 25th. So just uh, last week, the week before and um that's just basically talking about the wording and the terminology in ng191 which they've slightly changed but it doesn't ah. seem to make a lot of difference so that's the absolute up-to-date news on that subject 
Uh, is, that, is that just a case of the government and the NHS trying to sort of clean up after themselves? We well, need to change these in case when people come back and have a look. We can say, oh, yeah, we realised our mistake. It was just a mistake before, and we've changed the protocols. Do you think that that's what they're well, doing? Well, this, this is exactly what I thought when I saw the November, November the 30th uh, alteration, because I was writing an article for the Light Paper at the time, and the sub-editor at the Light Paper was trying to contact uh, Matt Hancock through his office, talking to Matt Hancock's assistant there, James someone, can't remember his surname. And uh, they were they were just, like, ducking and diving and, and like, you know, not really giving straight answers. He couldn't get hold of Matt Hancock himself. Um, so um, this, these, these emails were being sent on the 28th and 29th of November. And then this, this change was made on the 30th. Whether that's connected, I don't know. There's also been some people in my group emailing um, the, uh, the Secretary of State, Will Quince, who actually... Um, replied to a couple of them basically saying that the medazolam order had been made in 2020 for a huge amount of medazolam but that it had never been used so this is something that we've been trying to find out he stepped mm -hmm. down at the end of november as well just as we were asking him all these really pertinent questions on this subject and he actually um sent one email to one of uh, one person i know saying that the medazolam was bought but hadn't been used and then he sent an identical email to someone else in my support group uh, but with with that paragraph missing saying that hadn't been used so it's like you know he's tying himself in knots then he steps down as minister of state and we can't get hold we're trying to get hold of him still because he needs to answer these questions because it all happened on his watch so so, I mean, there could be then, it could be that there is two years worth of unused medazolam somewhere in a shed or an NHS or, or, well, if or there is, store. If there is, he, yeah, if there is, he needs to show us that shed because we know where it is. The medazolam was used. It's it's yeah. in the dead bodies of the, of, of the people that were administered it. That's where it is. There's no way he can prove that it's in a warehouse somewhere, you know, or in, in his garden shed because it's not. It's been used. That's what, why he removed that par paragraph from the, uh, the, the second email he sent to the, the other person. So, um, yeah, it's pretty shocking what's been going on and they all just hide they run away you know you can't get hold of them and uh, and then they hope you will go away eventually and but we're not going to go away this is the thing we are we are really like dogs with bones in my group. 131 of us in the group now so and and more and more are being added on a weekly basis so we're not going away um and they can't hide forever so the truth will come out definitely well, I mean, we may get onto it at the end of the show, uh, but I suspect they do have a plan on how to, to get away with it. They're just going to have an action and disappear, change the guard, and then and then that'll be it. They'll be, they'll be like, it'll be Starmer will be going, nah, not my problem, mate. That was the previous government who did that. Yeah, yeah, and they're no longer in power. Uh, and that's exactly uh, what we're facing. But we'll come on to the election uh, at the end of the hour. I'm, I'm actually quite confident that we will get some of them in court. I mean, I was in court back in November with Matt Hancock standing 20 foot away from me you know um i went there to support um uh, a friend of mine called gazer who matt hancock accused of, of assaulting him back a, a year ago just under a year ago and um and he got matt back into court and matt hancock stood there and lied through his teeth saying that he'd been assaulted we watched all the video ed evidence no sign of any assault whatsoever but he knew the judge the judge knew him the judge said he knew nothing about the case which was really bizarre and that it was a, a new it was a retrial that we were having but what um we wanted to, to what gazer wanted to discuss at that court hearing was um the fact that matt hancock had committed uh liar had committed perjury at uh, at a previous court hearing um but we weren't allowed he wasn't allowed to bring that up so um 
but he he is going to get him back in court again because he's appealing the the charges. So uh, once he gets him back in court, he's going to make sure he mentions the perjury because Matt Hancock actually said in court, uh, this was back in June last year, that he'd never heard of Medazalam until that man, Gazer, shouted at it at him in the street. We've got video footage, which is on my documentary uh, that I made, yeah. Conic, back in 2021, showing uh -huh. Matt Hancock and Dr. Luke Evans, MP, yeah. discussing Medazalam and morphine. So the, that, that was perjury. He said that in court um, under oath. So um, he's got to be—he's got to be done for that. I mean, a lot—a lot of um, MPs and uh, politicians get away with perjury. Um, there's been many cases of it over the years. Bill Clinton was one of them. But um, hopefully, we can get him on on this or something else. Yeah, and they don't just get away with perjury. Uh, they get away with you know democide uh, and genocide, and also standing up in Parliament and lying jackie so this week um we will get to nicola bully at some point but this week rishi sunak stood up in parliament uh, after being questioned by andrew bridgen in fact andrew bridgen was saying we want a debate on food uh, but he also brought up when's where's my three-hour debate on excess deaths and vaccine injuries and sunak come up and stood on and said unequivocally without any doubt no ambiguity the vaccines are safe but he didn't say effective. Why can't we just go get a, any old solicitor? I'll get my mate Danny Bampin down the road. Why can't we get him and, and say, this is a crime. He's clearly lied. We can evidence that they're not safe. We can evidence that in the contracts that from South Africa, for example, uh, which we have access to, it says quite clearly that they weren't safe in a roundabout way because they've never been any testing. Why can't we take Sunak to court for lying? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's part of their job, isn't it? Um, every time they speak, they're lying pretty much. I must say, um, Andrew Bridgen has been very helpful to, to me and my group. We set up a meeting with him in June last year in Parliament and um, several, well, a lot of families, probably about 40 or 50 families came along to the meeting. Um, people who know that their loved ones were euthanized in hospitals and care homes over the last few years. And Andrew agreed to have a meeting with us. We invited 43 MPs, two turned up, um, which says a lot. And yeah. uh, people were allowed to, to, you know, have their say. We were told that the meeting would be recorded, but of course there's no trace of it at all now, uh, nowhere to be found, even though it was actually in a parliamentary sort of a, a meeting room, you know. So that's a bit strange because we thought it was being recorded, but we can't find it anywhere. Um, and Andrew has pretty much stuck to um, uh, doing what he said he's going to do. He made some promises. He did bring up the the um the subject in in the house of commons with penny morden the following week on the 22nd of june yeah. which i remember because mm -hmm. it was my dad's birthday and my dad was uh, sadly um a, a victim of um yeah that's that is another story not quite the same as the medazlam murders but uh, something similar um and andrew did bring that up with penny morden at that time you know he, he was again you know ignored laugh, laughed out of, of the house but um but more recently, I've noticed they are listening to him and taking him a bit more seriously now, not not laughing in his face. So when I don't know, I was thinking, I was discussing this with uh, Matt Letizia and, and my friend journalist Sally Beck on my show on Friday night. I do a show on uh, Unity News Network every Friday, yeah. and um, and we were just saying that I, I was wondering if if it was deliberate because it was such a a, a politically suicidal thing to do to stand up and say that because everyone knows that's a lie even mm -hmm. even the people 
don't you know people who do buy into the narrative and think vaccines are great they do know that that um that these particular uh, jabs are harmful and that they have caused issues um i talked to a lot of uh, people you know, local to me talked to the hairdresser the other day I was talking to you know people in the pub and they all are awake now to the fact that these jabs are dodgy and that they have been harming people so if your average person in the street knows that why doesn't the prime minister know that there's no reason for him not to know or not to have looked into it a little bit now we know he's got him and his wife have got interests in in pharmaceutical companies i think i can't remember if it's moderna now or whether it's pfizer or both moderna. but um, you know Probably most both. most yeah it seems most politicians now um have uh, you know conflict conflict of interest definitely when it comes to this stuff so so for him to stand that and and say that in, in front of the whole country Everyone's laughing at him now. So I thought, is this political suicide? You know, is is this the way he's going to exit the arena? Because um, because he's uh, it doesn't make any sense that he said that. It makes no sense because he's like like making an idiot of himself. So I I really don't know. That that's I, my I, theory. He did it on purpose. I, 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 I actually think that's an absolutely excellent point, uh, Jackie. Uh, and uh, you're completely rearranging my show plan, by the way. I just thought I'd tell you that. Uh, but I do think that's an absolutely excellent point, And that's exactly where we're going to go. Did Rishi Sunak say unequivocally safe, even though he knows damn well that they are not and that most of the public do not because he needs an exit strategy. He is committing political Harry Carey because there's an election coming. So we're just going to go straight to that after the break here on TNT Radio. TNT's Pervoy Morich. He details factually how Russia is rolling out the algorithm ghetto. Um, you know, the, the, the multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto. A prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in Moscow. So Russians now, they'll, they'll have a, the government will take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them, uh, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now. Moscow 2030, it's, it's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status uh and there's just you know you look at the white papers moscow and russia are all in on agenda 2030 smart cities algorithm ghetto digital ids pervoy morich on today's news talk tnt when you can point me to an industry to a platform that reaches 250 million people a month virtually nine out of ten americans that's real that's substantive that's important and that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages that's massive to find out more go to tntradio.live ladies and gentlemen today's news talk news and information tnt radio uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, Dee Dee Denslow, on a Sunday edition of Digging Deeper. And I'm just talking to Jackie Devoy about uh, Medazalem, uh, about Rishi Sunak standing in Parliament this week when responding to Andrew Bridgen's question with regards to food and debates, stating that the vaccines were safe, but didn't mention the word effective. Uh, maybe, uh, as you have just said, suggested, Jackie, uh, 
Richie Sunak is uh, committing Harry Carey. He knows his days are numbered. He's just going to keep doubling down, doubling down on the whole the vaccines are safe narrative because he knows he's going to be out of a job very soon. And a little birdie told me yesterday, and this is something that I have been saying uh, on TNT for about six months now, that it's going to be in an early general election quite possibly before or to coincide with the local elections which happened on the 2nd of may so i would scrub if you're listening right now i'd write into your diary 2nd of may local elections and general election i think they could both happen at the same time it might limit it limit the damage that the conservatives suffer particularly and i was told they'll have an early election because of the boats coming in during the summer at dover is such a bad look that they wanted to get ahead of that i was told yesterday they also want to bring the election the conservatives as early as possible because of the vaccine debate uh, discussions going on in the House of Commons and because of excess deaths. Do you think there's going to be an early election rather than a later one, which Rishi Sunak has said? He said October. So don't, it's not October because Rishi Sunak said it and he must be lying because he lies. Um, do you think there's going to be an early, uh, an earlier election, maybe on May the 2nd, as I've just suggested? What's going to happen uh, and what's going to happen between now and then, Jackie? You know, I've absolutely no interest whatsoever in elections, and I'll probably be absolutely slated for saying this. I've never voted in my life. I've never set foot inside a polling station. And that's because since I was a child, my dad always pretty much told me that the politics is a nonsense. There's no democracy. That it's all two cheeks or three cheeks of the same arse, basically, two wings of the same bird. And that if, if voting, if us voting made any difference, they wouldn't let us do it. So I've I've kind of grown up with that and I still kind of stand by it. For When I was younger, I was a bit ashamed because other people were voting and I kept it quiet that I, I didn't do it because I didn't agree with the whole system. Um, but now I'm, I'm slightly um, you know, standing standing up and, and, and being proud about it because I'm not ashamed of it. And uh, even now... I, when I hear people talking about elections, it's just a, it's just more bread and circuses. It's just more games. People thinking that you know them putting a tick in a box makes a difference. And and I you know people say oh you know but the suffragettes you know, they fought for those blah 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 you know and it's like <laughs> don't start with it's that. like no don't, don't 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 put that one on me because um, I've got my own beliefs and uh, and I've stuck to them for all these years. I'm not going to change now. And I don't, you know, it's like saying, which horrible thing do you want, this horrible thing or that horrible thing? I don't want either horrible thing, thank you very much. So I can't, you know, why isn't there a nice thing that I can have? Um, so I would feel uh, if I was forced to vote, um, well, no, I just wouldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't. Are you going to spoil your ballot? Or are you just not going to go down to the polling station at all? I've never been to a polling station in my life. And people think that's a bit strange yeah. as a journalist, but I've had no interest in it. It's a game. I'm not interested in their stupid yeah. games. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to, uh, and I actually still recommend this to everyone who's listening. I'm still going to go and write a message for the political class <laughs> on my ballot. And if... 20 30 million voters went and did exactly that and that 30 million would be a big turnout for the uk that would send a message to uh, the political class okay um we'll leave we'll leave the the politics alone 
there was a there was a similar story. Uh, there was a video going around which you questioned. I shared. Uh, Andrew Bridgen also shared this video. It was of a nurse saying uh, funeral homes are having to get extra storage to store all the deceased bodies. It takes weeks to register a death of a loved one. Now uh, excess death should be headlines on every newspaper. But zip, it's the jab, and we need to start talking about this. And she had a NHS um, lanyard on what looked like an nhs badge you said who is this person and is she really a nurse did you get anywhere with your investigations was she really a nurse and is there an issue with fake videos like this of people purporting to be nhs who seem to be pushing in the same direction as us but could actually be just misinformation yeah, well, when I saw that video, um, I first saw it when Andrew Bridgen shared it. And my, I always go with my initial gut feeling. I'm like, there's something not quite right about this video. It's, um, and I, I think it was because she was reading a script that so came across. Yeah. She was doing acting, you know, or doing a bit of bad acting because she was actually reading it. And that made made my hackles rise a bit. And I just thought, hmm. but what she's saying is true. Everything she's saying is completely correct. And it's good to get that message out there. But I thought if she's not a real nurse, then this is going to be really bad because she'll be not only will she be dismissed, but everything she's saying will be dismissed. So I yeah. thought I will find out straight within minutes. We found out she had a website. Her name was Poppy Brazil. And um and we, we uh, you know, found her email address. I sent her a couple of emails. She hasn't replied, but I, I know um, because she was on um, that same night, she was on Richie Allen's um, radio show and he did a very good interview. She was very eloquent, uh, very, very knowledgeable, came across very, very well. And so, yes, she is a real nurse. She, she's got um, a website called mindfulnurse.co.uk, I think. Was it Mindful Nursing? Mindfulnurse, yeah. I think, .co.uk. Her name's Poppy Brazil. And... Um, and she knows, and she she knows what she's talking about. So um, my initial feeling that I didn't say she wasn't a nurse. Um, yeah. I just had an off feeling because she was reading the script, and it just seemed a bit artificial. But um, regardless of that, yeah, she is real, and what she says is absolutely true. And it's actually amazing that she's spoken out about it. She's got a private practice by the looks of things, but I think she does work for the NHS as well. Hence the lanyard. So, yeah, she's real and what she says is true. And it's good that she's spoken out. And, and we need more um, NHS workers to speak out. I've been trying for years now, nearly four years. I, I know a few nurses personally who have actually stopped talking to me, um, which only makes me think that, you know, they're not allowed to talk to journalists, maybe. And um, more, more recently, I've been trying to find, uh, I was commissioned to write an article um, for News Uncut um, about, it was my idea, I said, do you want an article on this? I thought it would be an easy one to write about all the dancing nurses back in 2020 and 2021, because that's always jarred with me really badly. And the more videos, I've looked at hundreds of those videos now, and, and some of them are extremely professionally choreographed and filmed. Um, there's one in particular that I, I posted on Twitter yesterday where they're all dancing to Jerusalem and they're uh, like, you know, uh, it's terribly professional. The whole film, it's like a, it's like a proper little mini, mini um, movie, you know. And um, these people are very good dancers. A lot of them look very slim and fit. Um, a lot of nurses are slim and fit, but a lot aren't. They all seem, I mean, I looked at some of the dance moves. I couldn't do some of those dance moves. Well, I'm not a dancer, but, you know, most people who aren't, aren't dancers couldn't do that. They couldn't coordinate like that. Um, 
So I've always found them a bit suspect. So I've been asking for the last couple of years, if, if anyone was in one of those videos, can, can you talk to me about it? And, you know, my views on Twitter get seen a lot. You know, they, they, they go um, exponentially. They, they, they reach a lot of people. And um, so far, I put another post up yesterday. It's had 250,000 views the last time I looked. Not one person has come forward. So now you might say, well, they're probably a bit ashamed that they did that during, during sure. you know, when everyone was dying of COVID in hospital. Um, but I kind of put in, in my post, you know, if you were overworked and, and tired and were having a bit of a laugh one day in the corridor, what's wrong with that? You know, let's chat about it. And, and maybe it was a quiet day, you know, in the war zone, but um, not not one person. I've had a couple of people coming forward saying, "Oh, my my, you know, my brother's um, uh, neighbor's cat um, knows someone, you know, who was in a video." And I'm like, "Brilliant! Can I see the video?" Oh, well, no, I don't know where it is. So, um, and this is the same thing with uh, Nicola Bully. Um, if you don't mind me segueing, no, no, no. I, I was only going to do it. You're just doing my job for me. That's all. That's great. Yeah, fair, That's thanks. Great. <laughs> I suppose because I do a show as well. I'm like all organising it all in my head. But um, when the Nicola Bully story was first um, came out, it was in the corner of my sphere of, of vision, and I didn't really, I wasn't that interested. But then a lot of people were saying, "What do you think of this? What do you think of Nicola Bully?" So I thought I'll have a look. And I was looking. The first thing I noticed was the photos, and I thought oh, those photos of her look really weird. And every photo looked kind of the same with the same lighting and and professional. And and I was looking really close, zooming in, and I was like, it doesn't even look like a real person's skin, you know. So I thought that's weird. And then now, in my line of journalism, my favourite sort of journalism is writing about real people, things that happen to them, things they've been through. And so most of the people I write. Well, I'd say pretty much, yeah, most of the people I write about are people I know personally, but I know they exist. I can ring them on the phone. Now, with Nicola Bully, obviously, I didn't know her personally, but if I was going to investigate um, it or write an article on, on that case back then, I did write two articles. Mainstream media didn't want them, obviously, because I was asking too many questions about what I'd seen. Um, but they were published, one by Unity News Network, one by Iconic. Um, they're still available online. If you type in my name and Nicola Bully, they should come up quite near the top. Um, so my first question would be, is like, who is this person? Does she exist? Because... If she doesn't exist, you know, like COVID, all other discussion, all other articles are null and void. So mm -hmm. um, my first question is, does she exist? Now, everyone says, of course she exists. You know, it was on the telly and it's like, of course she exists. The police are investigating it. They'll know she exists. Do they? I don't know. I tried to contact the Lancashire police um, by tagging them in, in Twitter posts. And my Twitter posts at the time were seen by millions and millions of people. Yeah, and so I my know. first question is, does anyone know this woman? Is anyone friends with her? Anyone out of these millions of people who are reading my posts? Does anyone know her personally? Right now, that should be a pretty easy thing for someone to go, yes, I live next door to her. Or yes, I've, I've met her in the school playground or whatever, you know. Yeah, um, she's my best friend or whatever. But when you watch those interviews, there were so many questions. If you read my articles, I've actually listed like 20 questions. I've, I've, I've got 100, but, you know, uh, the main questions. And um, now, a year later, this this uh, documentary came out on Channel uh, 5 the other night, on Friday night. I missed it because I was doing my show, but um, I think it's repeated again tonight. But I, I managed to watch it this morning. And it's like, it could have been made last year. It's like, they're not, they're presuming for a start that 
there was this woman called Nicola Bully and she disappeared, right? So starting on that, that's not why, that's starting halfway through. Why don't you start, let's find out a bit about her, you know, where she, like talk to more members of her family, more friends, you know, there was a very limited selection of friends and family that they interviewed last year. And some of those uh, interviews were well dodgy. And then you know, people were obviously accusing the husband, the, the partner, Paul Ansel, of um, maybe being involved in her disappearance. We don't know. Is he, her, is he even her partner? You know, when I first was looking into it, her Facebook account was open. It was open for a couple of weeks, actually. So I, I collected quite a few pictures of that just to, so I could have a little nosy at them. But I wasn't commissioned to write an article um, or launch an investigation. So people were saying to me, well, what, if you're that interested, why don't you go there and try and find these people? It's like, well, number one, I hadn't been commissioned to do that. And I, I wouldn't have the time to do that, you know, for for not being paid, for example. Um, and number two, um, it, it, it was just, I had a friend who'd actually gone up there. He's a documentary maker himself. And he went up there to talk to people and nobody would talk to him. Nobody. He, he was like politely, he's a really polite person. He was, you know, approaching people out and out, out and about in the street. He wasn't going around banging on people's doors or anything, just asking passers-by what they knew. And, um, and then, of course, uh, no one would speak to him at all, which was very, very strange. I think the police had told people not to speak to people. There's so many questions, like, why wasn't she caught on any CCTV? And in this documentary on Channel 5, all, the, all my questions have been completely overlooked. And people might say, well, you're mad saying she didn't exist. I've never said she didn't exist. I've just asked, does anyone know her? And that's where you would start, you know. Yeah. Let's let's find out a bit more about it. So so it was very very odd indeed. So um, and everyone's saying it doesn't it doesn't make sense. This story it doesn't make sense. Now, if she existed, it doesn't make sense. But if you just thought think for a minute, what if she didn't exist? Then everything makes sense. Everything falls into place. Why? I, I ask you, if she didn't exist, why does the story make more sense? Because if you look at every single aspect of it and every single question, if the answer is, well, she doesn't exist, then that makes sense. Yeah, but if you think, okay. yeah, but if you think, well, this woman existed, but they can't find any trace of her, then you think, well, maybe she didn't exist. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. Like I said, my speciality is talking to people, getting to know them, writing up their stories, meeting them in person. Obviously, if she disappeared, that wasn't possible. And, and as I said, I didn't meet any of her family. There was a, a Twitter friend of mine who actually went to her grave the day after um, she was uh, allegedly buried. And there was a very small, uh, there's a wall at the back of the graveyard, he said, and there was a small little wooden cross there because obviously there was no gravestone at that point and a couple of flowers. He said it was very strange, but there was also um, a ban on um, the, the whole area had become a, a no-fly zone on the day of the funeral, which I think was March the 8th last year, which is kind of unheard of. I mean, all funerals get, especially a high-profile case like this, you know, you tend to see the funeral procession, there'll be newspaper stories on it, you'll see the, the yeah. grieving family, you know, and um, there was nothing on this at all. And 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 then they made the whole area a no-fly zone, which is, it was highly suspicious, because if you did put a drone up above that area, you would probably see nothing going on, which would be mm. quite strange with such yeah. a high-profile case. Yeah, then we yeah I mean, normally... 
normally you'd, you'd see them marching through a street, wouldn't you? I mean, I think there was a, wasn't there a case where some gypsy got, got murdered in the street where well, he didn't get well, he got murdered but he was right, committing yeah. a crime and they ended up having the gypsy parade going they went through the street where the crime was being committed and he got uh, this but yet with nicola bully nothing there was nothing she, uh, the, yeah. the case got resolved and then nobody heard any more on that nicola bully story what's happened since well since... The, in the inquest the inquest actually uh, said that it was an accidental drowning so if there was an accidental drowning, uh, there would be marks in the mud where she kind of skidded into the water or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they said right from the start, there weren't any marks. Um, there was no evidence of her slipping in anywhere. Um, and Peter Folding, when he came on the scene, and he was an expert in, uh, you know, uh, underwater investigations. And um, and he said that he he would have found, if her body's in there, him and his team will find it. They did not find it. So he was mm -hmm. a, a bit embarrassed. He, I don't think he'd been briefed at all, um, whatever the story should have been. He wasn't briefed, so he was a bit of a wild card because he was saying stuff like that, you know, the body's not there, definitely not, not in the water. But something that, again, raised my suspicions was that he, he had a book um, launch. He'd just written a new book. I think the launch party was on February the 2nd, February the 3rd last year, and... Um, and I thought, that's a bit of a coincidence. You know, the sales of that book are going to be pretty good. You know, he's released that right at the right time. Was that a coincidence? Could have been. I don't know. Then we had all the criticism of, of Paul Ansel. Then the, there was that um, people brought to my attention. There'd been an ad put up in the middle of 2021 looking for a bearded man for a for um, uh, uh, some uh, campaign or something like that. And Paul Ansel, had one of Paul Ansel's friends, had written in the comment underneath it, here's one for you, Paulie, or something. And Paul said, oh, oh yeah, maybe I'll go for it, something like that. So there's all these little tiny things adding up. Of course, his face when he was being interviewed, the duping, the duper's delight that he exhibited, smiling, his the language he used, the tenses that he used. I, I was just listening to something of his this morning, and he referred to her in the past historic tense. He said, um, she had just vanished into thin air. And I'm like, was this some kind of script? And they'd written it wrong, you know, because he didn't show any emotion. That's fair enough. A lot of people don't show emotion when they're in shock. But there was something really, really off about him, something very off about Emma, Emma White, the friend. They, they were all mixing in actors' circles. You know, Emma White was a bit part actress herself. Um, and all her interviews were very, very peculiar. Yeah. Um, she was all kind very, of dolled up, self-conscious. Very, very, very quickly, Jackie, before we go to a break, uh, what's the purpose of of them potentially, I'm not saying they did, faking in an event like this? Well, it was it was very interesting. There's been quite a few theories on it. I mean, it was kind of obviously focusing on a middle-aged uh, perimenopausal woman with which they accidentally revealed, uh, the police said later they shouldn't reveal that she had um, issues with alcohol and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, my initial feeling was that it was to do with um, possibly the chipping of people, uh, you know, by putting chips in oh, people so that yeah. when they're, they're missing, they can be easier found. It could be the okay. yeah, one with, you know, the precursor to more stories like this. But a lot, a lot of um, women not a lot, but a few other women had drowned at that time as well, and her, their stories weren't followed up at all. And if it was a deliberate suicide, if it was a, a deliberate drowning, or, or, or if she, you know, killed herself by drowning, that's pretty rare. Women don't tend to kill themselves by drowning. 
I mean, I don't know about the machinations of it all, but no, I, I just can't imagine that that would be your first choice if you're going to kill yourself. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It just died a death, didn't it? Excuse the pun. You know, the the, the story was everywhere, and then it was nowhere. And there are some uh, there's some suspicious uh, uh, parts of that story that probably do warrant investigation. Okay, we're going to a break now, Jackie, and, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the farmers because there's no way I can get through the two hour show today without talking what's going on uh, with the farmers in Europe. So please stay right with us here on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the week. So how about a little dose of Joe Biden at his best to get you through the weekend? Folks, um, uh, I, uh, if I were smart, I'd say thank you and leave. There's asylum, off- asylum officers and over 100 cutting edge inspe- inspection machines to help detect and stop fentanyl coming out of our southwest border. Greedflation, shrinkflation. You see that article about the Snickers bar? Well, it's going to stop. America, we're tired of being played for suckers. We get thousands. Look, we, we, you know, we now have, we used to, before the recession, before the, the pandemic, the beer brewed here, <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's going cost 10 bucks to make it 10 bucks to make it we'll teach donald trump a valuable lesson don't mess with the women on now normally this would be humorous funny you know but this is a man who's president of the united states and looking for four more years on the job it's frightening Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real. And when it comes to protecting your children, the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online, social media, games, and messenger apps. It's always important to know who you're talking to. Help fight online predators in New Mexico by submitting a tip today. In 1620, the Pilgrim Fathers and the Mayflowers set sail from Plymouth to explore the New World. More than 400 years later, Darren from Plymouth explores today's New World. Darren from Plymouth is D.D. Denslow, and he's digging deeper on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, welcome back to TNT. You're with me, Didi Danzo, for the next ooh, 13 minutes. I'm here talking with Jackie DeVoy. We've been talking about Nicola Bully, the potential for fake nurses reporting real information that then could be discredited, discredited in, in fire ad hominem attacks. We've been talking about elections. Uh, but what we are going to talk about, and Jack said, no, I don't want to, don't want to talk about this. I'm not an expert on what's going on. And that is the farmers. So I'm just going to give you a few seconds to think about farmers protest 
revolution, rebels revolt, uh, and whether there are genuine protests or not something that's been orchestrated by orchestrated by the establishment. Well, I give a quick shout out to everybody in the live chat because I haven't had a chance to go there so far in this shoot show. So uh, Maddie Bites is there, Sandy, Skippy, Donna, uh, Elaine P. Lots of love for Elaine um, uh, and everybody else who's in the live chat is very, very well attended these days on a Sunday. So a big shout up to you. And remember, spread the word about TNT Radio. Uh, Jackie, uh, the farmers' protests, um, have you been following on them uh, with, uh, you know, just seeing how they're progressing and how they're spreading across Europe? And what's your initial feelings uh, about these protests, which sort of started in Germany? They've been ongoing, really. You can probably date them back to the Netherlands last year. They seem to be growing in stature and in numbers. What is your feeling uh, uh, on these protests? Well, like I said to you earlier, my favourite kind of journalism is up close and personal stuff. But obviously, I'm aware of these protests and uh, what the farmers are doing across Europe. And my initial pro my, my my initial reaction is that the same as my reaction was to the Canadian truckers. It's like good for them, you know. They're actually standing up for themselves. They're going out there. They're actually doing something, being proactive, putting their foot down, and and not being trampled on like like that. But they have been. Um, so that was my initial feeling. The closer I looked at it, I, I just thought, well, you know, it, ne it needs to be done. Um, and uh, what they're doing is right. And, and and they're making an impact because I suppose the main purpose of a protest is to get people's attention. And they've most certainly done that. But like I said, because I haven't been to the countries, I haven't seen the tractors, you know, rolling down the roads. And I haven't spoken to any farmers personally, because obviously, as one person, I can't cover everything that's going on in the world. And I, like I said, I, I favour the up close and personal stuff, um, uh, human interest stories. But um, so I haven't actually been following it in great detail. But my initial feeling is that yeah it's a good thing people need to be aware we need farmers without the farmers we haven't got any food and then what will, will come of us you know so i think it's good that they're standing up for themselves that's my main, my main reaction mm -hmm. and the protests at the moment are in germany france i'm going off the top of my head here. germany france italy uh, poland wales wales have been talking about protesting they've happened in scotland uh, the irish are now out protesting the netherlands Belgium, uh, that, and there are probably some more, some of the Scandinavian countries, uh, they've been blocking roads, borders, there's uh, images of giant stacks of uh, hay, haystacks uh, in Paris, Paris got blockaded, uh, the EU parliament got surrounded by tractors. Are we seeing maybe some of the most important and the most capable in terms of the equipment they've got and the manpower and the type of men in particular that they have available to them. Are we seeing maybe a group or an, uh, a community of people that are actually able to push back against the elite saying, do you know what? We've had enough of this. We've had enough of this talk of carbon tax, Elon Musk, uh, and we are now going to um, do a succession or secession of plebs like happened in Rome and withdraw our consent and our services from the establishment and we're going to blockade them off 
And could this spread into other areas, domains, and communities within the West? Maybe we see the firefighters or the police or all the public sector, or maybe just everybody say, do you know what? We've had enough of all these false narratives. We've had enough of your agendas. We've had enough of your plans to restrict our rights, imprison us, enslave us, whatever sort of terminology that you want to use that explains the agenda as we know know it do you think that there could be massive unrest and lots more people uh, taking a page out of the farmer's book well as far back as um 2013 i've always felt always had a feeling that we uh, as a society will be kind of pushed into civil unrest that will be pushed into some kind of revolution and then then that worries me because I used to think and probably still think it to a degree that that is what they want. You know, they want us to be all running rampage issues because then then they can bring in martial law, which is all part of bringing in the new world order. That's something I've believed for 10 years. So um, it always makes me a little bit worried when we play into their hands. And I, I wonder with a lot of th political things that I see going on in the world, are we playing into their hands? Is this exactly what they wanted the farmers to do so i kind of take a kind of slightly outside the box view a broad view on all these things and because i don't know because like i said i, I haven't been involved personally with any of these people who are doing this i can't i don't feel qualified or expert enough to really make um you know good comments on on the situation but um so so far so good but i'm just wondering have these have these people being pushed into it and are they playing into the hands of the elite yeah. uh, are they the elite now saying yeah finally we've been prodding them and prodding them and prodding them and now the farmers in europe are out in the streets oh look they've blockaded uh food distribution centers well done we didn't even have to instruct anyone to do that we just kicked over some dominoes and waited for the farmer domino to fall over and they've done exactly what our behavior behavioral scientists said that they would do as a result of our restrictions on nitrogen, net zero, over-regulations, yeah. supermarket price cartels, et cetera, et cetera. And now, apparently, and again, we're going on social media videos because we're not there in Paris or at the EU parliament, but I have seen a few videos now circulating that suggest that food shelves uh, in supermarkets and in stores in the areas affected in Europe are now slowly uh, becoming empty. Uh, I was speaking to a friend who works in Sainsbury's, a big supermarket in the city centre here in Plymouth. She'd never heard of the farmers' protest. Of course not. She's just a checkout girl. Uh, but she had said, she did say to me, oh, our shelves have been getting very empty these last few weeks. Customers have been complaining. And I'm like, maybe you should stock up, Chloe, uh, because I think they're going to get a lot emptier. Could we see that in the near future as a consequences, consequence of these farmer protests? Uh, and are we going to see them here in the UK? Do you think we all rise up or the farmer stays? Yeah. I mean, when I heard about the, the, the France uh, cutting off the supplies going into Paris and that they would um, soon not have any food, they, they'd only have uh, three days uh, food left, supply left. Um, I contacted a friend of mine whose son lives in Paris and said, oh, how's he, how's he, how's he coping? You know, may, maybe he should like come out of Paris for a bit because if this is going to happen. And my friend said, I don't know what you're talking about because most people didn't. And then I, I sent him some um, clips and he said, that's that's all old footage from, you know, the, the yellow vest days of 
that's not recent. And I'm like, no, this is recent. And then I'm thinking, well, is it? Do I actually yeah, know exactly. 100% sure? He's like, well, my son's fine. He said, nothing's going on. I said, what about all the tractors rolling into Paris? He's like, no, he hasn't seen anything like that. Now, maybe this guy hasn't hasn't gone outside his door. I don't know. But that's the nearest I've got to someone I know who, li- who lives in Paris and hasn't seen anything. I'm not saying it's not happening because it looks like it is. And it's hard not to believe it. But, you know, yeah. there are so many things we don't know for sure. I was looking into crisis actors uh, yesterday, uh, which I've done many, many times, because people don't believe. I, I saw a BBC article saying basically that there's no such thing as crisis actors, you know, and then, of course, the government doesn't use them. So I looked again just to make sure. It was harder to find this time than it was a few years ago. And I found a company and their main clients are the army, the government, the Ministry of Defence. They all, they, they all use crisis, these, this crisis acting agency. It's the main one in Britain. And there was a little section that someone on Twitter pointed out to me on their website that talking about deep fakes and uh, there's, there's deep fakes and then there's like a medium fake or not so deep fake. I can't remember what it's called. It's actually got a term as well. But they also make fake deep fakes. And I read, I was reading this this paragraph about fake deep fakes and I was like, sorry, my brain has just tied itself in a knot. What's a fake deep fake? Until I'm thinking about it now. I don't know. What is a fake deep fake? An image that's presented as a deep fake, but it's actually real. So maybe a, a real bluff. image, a double bluff, yeah? And and that's the world we live in, Jackie, where we don't know what's true. We don't necessarily know who we can trust or what to believe. The world isn't what it seems. And I have, I'm similar in my concerns about these uh, protests, these farm protests. You've just said that there are people, you know, I've seen pictures where apparently Paris is blockaded and they've only got three days worth of food. And yet you're saying there's somebody in Paris who didn't know. Now that could be because the French media, like the German media, like the Italian media, they're all like the BBC. And if you go on the BBC website today and you click on the world section and you click on Europe, you'll find no mention now. There was one article the other day, no mention of the farmers' protests. But if you go further and just Google or Bing or whatever uh, search engine you're using in general, you will find that these protests are real, but they're played down a bit. And my advice to everybody who's listening to me and Jackie uh, at the moment is I would almost certainly maybe as a precaution and a financial investment go and stock up on some food because if these protests are real and they do materialize here in the uk and i know the people who are coordinating apparently are coordinating the uk protests they are going to hit the streets here in the uk in england wales and scotland northern ireland just as they have in ireland and mainland europe very soon and if they do availability is going to go down and prices are going to go up and i for one have gone out the last few days and completely restocked all of my shelves will you be doing the same jackie i'm not trying to get panic buying started i just no no i won't no i won't be doing the same at all because no matter no matter how much food you get in it'll run out at some point you know so it's like how much food you buy well, I, 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 I could I could survive <laughs> with no electricity, no water, no availability to shops now for three months on my what own. Happens, what, what happens in the fourth month? I go and live on the moors and start hunting cows and sheep. 
Uh, <laughs> I start my own cult, which is on my bucket list of things that I want to do in the future. Okay, we're coming okay. to the end of the show now, Jackie. Uh, it's been fantastic having you on. It's been a, a wonderful conversation. Uh, say something positive to finish the show off, please. I would say, and I was just talking to a young person earlier today who was terrified he was going to be conscripted. I just said, keep away from the TV, stop reading the papers, stop allowing um, them to put you in a, a perpetual state of, of fear and anxiety, because once you're fearful and anxious, you become useless. But to them, that's how, that's how they want you, because anxious, worried, scared people are much easier to control and to manipulate so um, that's that. That's my word of positivity. Keep away from the telly and stop reading the papers. Not that any of your viewers do, but that. But you know, no, no. the only thing they listen to seriously. They only they only listen to and watch TNT radio, and that's exactly what you should do. And Jackie, thanks for coming on the show. It's been brilliant having you and everybody who's listening right now. Please, no watching TV, only TNT. Don't be afraid and keep pushing back so that is today's show uh, over and done with jackie and uh, i shall see you around on t twitter and everyone else cheers thank you